Content warning. This episode of Brave New World includes themes such as sexual assault, rape, extremely emotional traumatizing interactions, and violence. Hey, hey, folks. Dave here. Andrew. And welcome to So Many Books. So Little Time. Today we will be continuing our read of Brave New World by Aldous Huxley with chapter 13. You can't see me doing spirit fingers, but I'm doing spirit fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, music. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> how shall we start this week, Ruth? It's been a week. It's been a month. It's been a year, as it, it is for everyone. It, it has been a year. I'll, I'll tell you, it's actually been a really cool 24 hours for me, because uh, the new Dresden Files book came out yesterday. Yes. I, yes. I picked it up at midnight and forced myself to go to bed before I read too much of it. Um, Good and, approach. And then I was able to, you know, take the day off on Tuesday and read it. I've not done that in years, actually, to be like under the blankets and just have a book and to keep going. It, w- it was very pleasant. I'm putting it on my to to read pile for um, when when I'm a little less uh, occupied with life things because life things are a thing, and we cannot avoid them. <laughs> The inevitability of life. Yes. Yes. Well, life keeps happening. Funny that. It does. It does. It's a little bit, it's a little frustrating, but life becomes very lifey sometimes. <laughs> if you understand what I mean, you will. And if you don't, it's okay. Um, yeah. Just lots of things going on between li- family, between health, between general society and disparities and challenges that need to be addressed and that we need to contribute towards, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, preventing from evolving further and escalating and actually fix what's not working. You know, life. (laughs) Big picture. Um, But yeah, it's okay. It will be fine. But in the meantime, books are good. Books make us hope. Have you been reading anything? Be warned. Uh, nothing worth sharing. I well, mm, <laughs> I don't think anyone is going to be interested in my my, my current reading of a book about um, biomedical and non clinical application of <laughs> like oh, that okay. kind of. Thing. You're going that way. In my head, there were two directions you were about to take that conversation. One was the extremely technical side which is what happened the other was like oh i'm reading absolute trash that i'm embarrassed to share that i'm reading oh i am sure there's that too but i'm 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 either right now my current reading list is extremely technical and then extremely the deep philosophy of well not just philosophy philosophy and application of um how our approach to life when steeped in a materialistic way can actually be when we only have a material drive in life and how that can actually cause issues and drive, um, well, essentially patterns of colonization and, and conquest and, uh, categorization into people based on their productivity and honestly brave new world kind of thing. Like that's that, like that, that a lot of that is driven by only focusing on, um, 
material feeling good uh, hedonism and all that it comes from only looking at the physical and not having a concept it brings us into the book actually that you know how the, the concept of the soul is considered archaic the con- concept of love is considered almost blasphemous that relationships are determined essentially by function and purpose and nothing else well because they um yeah the the reason for relationships and sex has been removed from that society yeah, well, because no, there's, it's there's, been... There's no, well, no, yeah. because there's no... They don't procreate the same way. And yeah. because they don't have children, there's no need to create a family unit to further yeah. the, um, the well, proliferation of society. Yeah, so I, I'd say they've boiled it down to one of the many aspects that the sex contributes, which is just self-gratification and pleasure. Yes, the, the, the basest aspect. Yes. And whereas, yeah. So anyway, this, this is not discussing Brave New World specifically, but let's, I'm just bringing that into here. Um, like the fact that in a world where uh, I think l- like looking at Brave New World made, made me kind of go a little bit more into it. This is a particular, the course that I'm looking at right now is specifically on social action. And then looking at that particular aspect of when you create frameworks of social action, so say you orga- you create an organization to deal with um, disparities of wealth and poverty or whatever. When you don't take into account justice that is beyond a distributive justice, in other words, material justice of this person took that, therefore they must return or reimburse. If you take it further and take that principle to um, what does justice actually mean in the sense of uh, treating each other as being worthy of respect and like n- looking at the capacity and the potential as opposed to assuming based on material indicators of this is a population that is technologically advanced, this is not, therefore the one that's technologically advanced is more um, is more worthy of being in charge. Like they're, does that make sense? So, so not to fall down that trap mm. and that having a sense of justice breaks away from that. Because if you have a sense of justice that's beyond just looking at this person did something wrong, so we pay them back. I mean, yes, there's distributive justice as part of it as well, but it's not going to actually address the fundamental issue, which is that one group sees themselves as superior to the other and therefore more entitled than the other to certain things. And that's the major imbalance. So so now, for example, we've got poor John whose last chapter was his interaction with, um, uh, what's his name? Helmholtz. Thank you. So John's interaction with Helmholtz demonstrates like the attitude that is inherent there from Helmholtz. Helmholtz will appreciate certain aspects of John, but then will also ridicule because inherently by the environment that he's been raised in and his perceptions of what is and isn't advanced, he is limiting his understanding of what that looks like. So he's not treating um, Shakespeare, not giving, you know, that idea of not doing him justice, Mm. not doing justice. It's not doing justice to Shakespeare and it's not doing justice to John either. Well, it's, it's, we mentioned it and I I really like that idea you brought up last time about how, you know, Helmholtz showed in that chapter that he is, he has the same, uh, problem as bernard where he thinks he's above the conditioning of the society he's in when it shows that no sadly you are not no they are all completely immersed but yeah so that's that's the thing like that that having um yeah yeah 
No, that, that if, unless you are vigilant and you are really, really aware, as opposed to going, well, I don't get suckered in by propaganda. I'm not influenced by the media. I know better. It's like, well, no, because everyone is even subtly influenced. And if you aren't able to, no matter who we are, we are subject to our environment. And we can't say that we are completely immune to the effects that our environment affects upon us. No, effects, and, effects. Yes. and, um, now I do realize, not, you know what I'm just going to say. That's con- that's pretty much the reason where it's been a slow, gradual process. But like one of the first things I did to kind of, in that yeah, this was maybe ten years ago. Uh, but one of the first things I did to start to improve my general well-being was I stopped watching and listening to the news. Mm. And then and then it was about maybe six seven years later. That's when I finally gave up Facebook. And now, because of COVID, I've stepped back from Twitter. And each time, you know, it, it is basically I'm no longer um, because I'm actually I'm stepping away from these systems. I'm no longer a part of them. So the the negatives that I was seeing that they were having an effect on me, I've decided to not even try and mitigate it. I'm just removing myself from it. Yeah, and I mean and that's now with yeah. society, you can't really do that. No, you go and that's in a the cave thing. Somewhere. Yeah, and that's the thing, and that that that's a challenge. Is that even when we step away from whatever devices, referring like Twitter and whatever, these are just devices of society. So it, it, they are. Um, they give us a, a snapshot or a, vi- an, a perspective on society in action, which is really kind of confronting um, at times. But one thing that came up is, for example, I'm just going to bluntly put it, racism. If we put that on the table, when someone is discussing how something is racist, how many times do people go, look, but I'm not racist. So like, that's great. But the problem is that A, everyone is affected by prejudice. Everyone builds and develops these things. What you can do is you can be consciously combating them. You can consciously, hence this new term of being an anti-racist has come up. Yeah, yeah, Um, Um, because it's that idea that if, I I can see the thought process, you know, the term racist is a very, has a lot of negative connotations with it. mm. So, and, and to a lot of people, they might not even see themselves as racist, even though they do and say racist things or take part in racist systems. But um, it's that thing where it's the flat denial of it that just removes conversation from the table. It, 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 it's that yeah. it's that sticking your head in the sand. Whereas if if you get to a point where you go, no, I mean, just by like like the way I've joked about it, but there's a lot of truth in joking. Just by being, you know, a white man in America and now Australia, like most of probably, yeah, no, I I'm very racist. I don't mean to be. But yeah. it, it but it comes out. It's just there. So all I can do is well, a acknowledge it, and b then yes to 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 work to combat that. Yeah. So actively being aware, and and in this case, racist might not be that you use certain language or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with how you express yourself, or not even how you treat other people. It can simply be, I know that I'm I have. Um, I'm not going to get pulled over by virtue of the color of my skin, or I'm not going to get, and, and to sometimes not be aware of that. But if you are aware of it, kind of going, okay, cool, I, I get it. Um, and I need to speak up when I do see it. Like the idea is to build up to speaking up when you see it happen, when it shouldn't yeah. be happening. And that's, we, we, 
I'm not going to, like, I can't judge or ascertain where someone's at. We don't know what everyone's internal dialogue is at. It's not my job to judge. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still very far from the speaking up part. I have to watch I, out I loathe, when I speak up. <laughs> I loathe confrontation. Yeah. I, I try and speak up where I can, where, um, and sometimes where it might not always be safe to do so. But I also try and encourage there to be a dialogue as opposed to, um, well, yes, and, and, because, and I because have it, the, that's a privilege that I get to have. I get to say, let's have a talk about this and see where we can get out. And I can have friends, for example, who are not, um, who maybe don't necessarily confront the fact that they have, they, they are influenced and affected by racism and they don't realize it. Like there's some people who have lack self-awareness and I can still have communication or I can be acquainted with them, but I'm not going to go out of my way to invest energy. Um, but I will invest energy in conversing and discussing and actually supporting their process of getting to the mindset of, Hey, actually, you know, let's have a talk about this. And is this like, what can we learn about? What can we read together? What can we, and getting them to that point of wanting to actually, uh, care about a topic. Hmm. Um, but it, like it's a really hard space to navigate. And I know, and I acknowledge that there is a privilege in being able to do that. Yes. Uh, well, but, well uh, this, you know, yeah. when, when I was saying how I chose to step back from the news, how I chose to step back from all, uh, social media, I, have a privilege in being able to do that without it affecting either the way I make money or how I live my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas another person, it, it affects their, their work, it affects their career. Um, and it can also affect their ability. Like say you're disabled and that's literally the only time you have access to social spaces is mm -hmm. via social media has made a huge difference into, uh, how people can actually activate networks of support yeah. Um, that did not, or, or bring awareness to the need for support. Like having, being able to actually, uh, raise the awareness for the needs to have, I don't know, um, a living wage being paid to people who are disabled and not just getting them, like paying them a nominal fee, uh, a fraction of the price of their equivalent, uh, of the equivalent employees who are not disabled. That kind of thing. Like we have some really shonky things that happen where companies will hire a bunch of disabled people who normally would be institutionalized, for example, in, in about 50 years ago, if not more recently. Um, and they would pay them a fraction of the, the, the amount and they would in turn get funding from government to, to hire or occupy these people and then create products that they sell for a major profit margin. Hmm. So we have a lot of really shonky things that do happen and this no country is exempt from something that is causing an injustice or exploitation of another section of the of the society. That's yeah. simply the way we have um and that brings us back to the topic that um the structure the foundation of our societies around the world will determine what we do and do not prioritize and do and do not consider as well. So it's it's well, it's messy. What are you talking about? There is no problem whatsoever in Brave New World. That society runs it's, like a fine oh, clock. I, oh, so I read, actually, that's something I read that I was going to share with you that I find extremely controversial. Okay. Okay. So, so um, you may or may not be aware, well, you are aware, but dear listeners, you may or may not be aware there is a Brave New World um, series coming out where they are using the world of the Brave New World as a, as a, to tell the story, roughly. Um, so 
One of the interviews, the only thing that I, I saw in passing was one of the show creators, either the director or one of the producers, or one of, I don't know, someone involved in the making of the show, says in passing, I don't think that Huxley's book is actually a dystopia. Okay. <laughs> I think it's actually a utopian fiction um, where where the characters we we see how the characters exist within this utopian society and we see character growth and development and how it actually isn't uh, you know it doesn't encourage uh, human growth and development essentially roughly i can't remember exactly the wording but for me as soon as they said it's it's actually a utopia it's not a dystopia my eye just twitched and i went what what we what talked about that didn't i where i i said how um under a certain lens or at least according to the people in the book i mean they kind of do live in a utopia you know there doesn't seem to be hunger or disease or everyone everyone contributes to society of course you know uh from our point of view the way they they create everything is horrific yes and that's why it is a dystopian fiction, because based on how we live and what it means to be human, you know, they, they've mm. kind of... Well, and that's the problem John has. They've removed all the humanity out of it. Yes, yes. And, and I okay, from that lens, I can totally see it. At the same time, I guess it's because it's so... Like, it's so repulsive to me, I guess, as a concept that, you know, when, when disease... and Okay, we don't... Disease, we don't like. No, I get it. I understand. Um, poverty, don't like. Also, totally get it. From that point of view, yes. But then deliberately limiting the capacity and the ability of people, having predetermined pathways of existence, mm. having a complete breakdown of the concept of um, relationships and growth and human growth, uh, that even the most quote-unquote intelligent, you know, the most erudite amongst them is completely and totally a puppet for for whatever the system is without even realizing it and in fact you'd argue um that being aware of your uh, hypnopedia does not necessarily protect you from its outcomes so like mm, i don't well, know sorry i i did kind of cut you off but i'm guessing what you wanted to say being that if the creator of this show sees this world as a utopia, you have worries about how the show is going to... I am concerned, but yeah. But you'll give it a go and we'll see what happens, right? I, I, when it comes out, I'm probably going to give it a go too. Just it's, it's so timely as well. You know, I know it's a few years removed, but it was weird when we were reading Anne of Green Gables and you said, oh, you know, Netflix has done a modern series. And I'm like, what? And now we're doing Brave New World. And I'm like, hey, there's a Brave New World series coming out. Yes, it is going to be interesting to watch this. I know 1984, I'm sure someone should be doing a series on it if they haven't already or aren't already. The the thing is, like, I think I, I brought it up multiple times, but there's a movie and it, it's got William Hurt in it. And I just don't want to watch it mm. because I don't want to watch a movie of 1984. <laughs> Is that because you don't want it on your telescreen? No. Well, look. I mean, I mean, in a way, in a way, the movie will not be anything like the book because the most horrific parts of the book could not be filmed. Yes. 
Although now they might. Yes, but, well, n- okay, Prestige TV, HBO, maybe, but still, that there's some very, uh, no, no, it could be an HBO series, you're right. Yep, yep, definitely. But I, I was going to say the time isn't right, but look, we've got a Brave New World series coming out in the middle of 2020 of all years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what's funnier is that 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 that. I'm just thinking between 1984 and, and Brave New World, you describe many of the current political climbs. <clears throat> but um, we've been rambling on for some time now, so yes. maybe we should get to the book. Yes, yes. Let's see what kind of uh, adventures we have today. Sir? The first sentence already, I'm like, uh Well, let's see what adventures we get up to this week with 13. Henry Foster loomed up through the twilight of the embryo store. Like to come to a feely this evening? Lenina shook her head without speaking. Going out with someone else, it interested him to know which of his friends was being had by which other. Is it Benito? he questioned. She shook her head again. Henry detected the wariness in those purple eyes, the pallor beneath that glaze of lupus, the sadness at the corners of the unsmiling crimson mouth. You're not feeling ill, are you? he asked a trifle anxiously afraid that she might be suffering from one of the few remaining infectious diseases. Yet once more Lenina shook her head. Anyhow, you ought to go and see the doctor, said Henry. A doctor a day keeps the gym jams away, <laughs> he added heartily, driving home his hypnopedic adage with a clap on the shoulder. Perhaps you need a pregnancy substitute, he suggested. Or else an extra strong VPS treatment. Sometimes you know the standard passion surrogate isn't quite... Oh, for Ford's sake, said Lenina, breaking her stubborn silence. Shut up. And she turned back to her neglected embryos. A VPS treatment indeed. She would have laughed if she hadn't been on the point of crying. As though she hadn't got enough VP of her own. She sighed profoundly as she refilled her syringe. John, she murmured to herself. John. Then, my Ford, she wondered, have I given this one its sleeping sickness injection, or haven't I? She simply couldn't remember. In the end, she decided not to run the risk of letting it have a second dose and moved down the line to the next bottle. Sorry, quick question. Yeah? VPS. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. What do, what do you think it might mean? You're, you're more medically inclined. I'm looking at it. I'm going vagina and pneumatic. That is the only hmm. vagina pneumatic service, which sounds disgusting and disturbing, but still. Yeah, and he talks about pregnancy substitutes and passion surrogates, whatever that might be. That's, I'd say, hormones. Right, right. Hormones, because someone else, uh, Fanny, mentioned it. Mm. Mm. But yes, never mind, yes. 22 years, 8 months, and 4 days from that moment, a promising young Alpha Minus administrator at Mwanza Mwanza was to die of trypanosomiasis, the first case for over half a century. That's sleeping sickness. She, she forgot to give it the sleeping sickness treatment. Is that like a mosquito transmitting uh, thing? I think it's fine, but I, I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But it was saying, um, have I given this one its sleeping sickness or injection or haven't I? And she couldn't remember, and she decided not to give it a second one just in case it was a second one. Oh, wow. Why I have to wonder if like double dosing them is worse than leaving it alone. Must be. Must be. In this world. 
sign, Lenina went on with her work. Because, yeah, l- let me just ask you, because I, I know nothing about the science behind vaccinations. So the yeah. idea was if, let's say, you were going to vaccinate a child with, uh, let's say, a measles, measles yes. vaccine. Yes, and yes. you can't remember if you gave it to them. Because most vaccines contain like a very small amount of the virus, right? And then the immune system fights it. Yeah, it's either the virus or it's protein structures that allow the immune system to recognize the virus. Right. And it's either a dead version of the virus or a very weak and pathetic and useless version of the virus. Um, so, so severely the, knocked out. Yeah. So the idea then would be if you forgot that you might have given the child a dose, a second dose would not be a problem. It shouldn't be. Um, it depends. Uh, okay. Depends on it shouldn't be. Like short version, no, it shouldn't be. Longer version, you would usually do a tighter test. So you check whether immune system actually has immunity against thing before mm. you do it. Most of the time, it's not worth it. Like I'm just saying based on our healthcare systems, the way they are, it's not worth the expenditure and the um, thing because most of the time it's all recorded. So, so basically from my understanding then, there shouldn't ever be a problem in giving a, a child a second dose if, for you know, some silly reason the doctor forgot or didn't know if they've had a first dose of a vaccine. So it shouldn't be an issue. And generally speaking, the records are good. But just in case, for, for your own sake of mind, by the way, as parents, if you're getting vaccinations, get the records printed out. It's wise. And hold on to them. But yeah, side note. Um it shouldn't be an issue. Usually a doctor would look at the risks and benefits in each case. Like it, it would depend on the age of the kid, the type of vaccination. And um, you can easily do the, the do a, um, what's it called? A test for uh, the titer test. You can see if the immunity has actually formed to the virus, in which case unnecessary, but right. it, it's, it shouldn't be an issue. Like, in, in this the, case, yeah, in this case, it's a bit different because yeah. they're embryos and this system is yes. unknown. I yeah. cannot tell you what happens in this system because it doesn't make sense for me based on the immune system. So, <laughs> so it, no. it, it, in the, in this world, it is up to the attendant to be on their game. Yes, uh, yes, and I mean, say we took Brave New World and we took this idea of modifying having embryonic modification to protect ourselves against diseases and whatnot, um, which we, based on any trace of ethics, we would not be doing at this juncture, Mm -hmm. especially given our current understanding and our ability to do so. Um, But you could, in theory, in very, this is very loose, don't quote me on this, but in theory, you could introduce a genetic... um, factors that are activated in the presence of a disease therefore um giving your immune system like an ability to resist in extreme theory this is nowhere near Mm. um likelihood and it wouldn't be that it's because the immune system like vaccination the immune system has recognized it and developed a defense against it or is able to develop a defense against it it would be different it would be something like um what exists in nature that dem- that resists or interferes with the ability of these viruses to hijack the body and propagate? Because that's what a virus does. A mm. virus, 
I mean, bacteria are different, but virus, basically, the idea is it comes in, it hijacks your system, and it replicates itself. That's all it cares about. You are a convenient host for the replication of the virus. There is no other function. There is no purpose. It's not that it's going out of its way to kill a host. It just wants to replicate itself, and it's mindless, and it has zero emotional investment. <laughs> there is no in investment on an emotional level. It's the most basic survival program you could think of. Like which, which I've always found it weird because obviously the replicating is a survival instinct, but it, I mean, I guess it depends on the virus, but the end point of most viruses is they either get eradicated or they kill their host. Yeah. Or they modify, they modulate the, due to the environment they have in the host. They'll pick up uh, like a genetic uh, factor and go, oh, we like this. Well, <laughs> there, I've just emotionally invested. No, there is no emotional investment. <laughs> Virus will just pick, will just pick up um, what enables its survival and will drop what doesn't. And it's, mm. it's, it's a very... Viruses are weird, and I'm going to say this straight up, and virologists, I'm sorry, I admire you, but I don't know how you do it. Um, I, I, I'm cool with, give me molecular and cellular biology any day, but viruses really do my head in. Like, I, they're fascinating. I love them. I understand the concept of how they interact with the immune system, but as an entity independent of the host, I just, no. Like, what? How? Why? <laughs> okay. Why? Okay, so yes. <laughs> and those have been Rue's eloquent thoughts on viruses. <laughs> viruses are weird. <laughs> there Most we go. of it was quite elegant. No, thanks for that. And <laughs> now you. we'll jump back into um, the results of Lenny's screw up. Uh, no, no, because that was just an aside. Yes. An, an hour later in the changing room, Fanny was energetically protesting. But it's absurd to let yourself get into a state like this. Simply absurd, she repeated. And what about a man? One man. But he's the one I want. As though there weren't millions of other men in the world. But I don't want them. How can you know till you've tried? I have tried. But how many? Asked Fanny, shrugging her shoulders contemptuously. One? Two? Dozens. But, shaking her head, it wasn't any good, she added. Well, you must persevere, said Fanny sententiously. But it was obvious that her confidence in her own prescriptions had been shaken. Nothing can be achieved without perseverance. But meanwhile... Don't think of him. I can't help it. Take Soma, then. I do. Well, go on. But in the intervals, I still like him. I shall always like him. Well, if that's the case, said Fanny with decision, why don't you just go and take him, whether he wants it or no? But if you knew how terribly queer he was, all the more reason for taking a firm line. It's all very well to say that. Don't stand any nonsense. Act. Fanny's voice was a trumpet. She might have been a YWFA lecturer giving an evening talk to adolescent beta minuses. Yes, act at once. Do it now. I'd be scared, said Lenina. Well, you've only got to take half a gram of soma first, and now I'm going to have my bath. She marched off, trailing her towel. The bell rang, and the savage, who was impatiently hoping that Helmholtz would come that afternoon, for having at last made up his mind to talk to Helmholtz about Lenina, he could not bear to postpone his confidences a moment longer, jumped up and ran to the door. I had a premonition it was you, Helmholtz, he shouted as he opened. On the threshold, in a white acetate satin sailor suit and with a round white cap rakishly tilted over her left ear, stood Lenina. Oh, said the savage, as though someone had struck him a heavy blow. Half a gram had been enough to make Lenina forget her fears and her embarrassments. 
Hello, John, she said, smiling, and walked past him into the room. Automatically, he closed the door and followed her. Lenina sat down. There was a long silence. You don't seem very glad to see me, John, she said at last. Not glad? The savage looked at her reproachfully, then suddenly fell on his knees before her and, taking Lenina's hand, reverently kissed it. Not glad? Oh, if you only knew, he whispered, and venturing to raise his eyes to her face, admired Lenina, he went on. Indeed, the top of admiration, worth what's dearest in the world. She smiled at him with a luscious tenderness. Oh, you so perfect. She was leaning towards him with parted lips. So perfect and so peerless are created, nearer and nearer, of every creature's best. Still nearer. The savage suddenly scrambled to his feet. That's why, he said, speaking with a averted face, I wanted to do something first. I mean, to show I was worthy of you. Not that I could ever really be that. But at any rate, to show you I wasn't absolutely unworthy. I wanted to do something. Why should you think it necessary, Lenina began, but left the sentence unfinished. There was a note of irritation in her voice. When one has leaned forward, nearer and nearer, with parted lips, only to find oneself quite suddenly, as a clumsy oaf scrambles to his feet, leaning towards nothing at all, well, there is a reason, even with half a gram of soma circulating in one's bloodstream, a genuine reason for annoyance. So initially, we had Fanny going, just rape him. Yes, and now, so I also misunderstood, the savage still likes Lenina, and in fact is obsessively and venerating her, despite the fact that But Lenina said things about, doesn't understand how crass and gross the feelies are. These are not worthy of her. And yet, she, like, oh, wow. Yeah, he, he probably was able to separate her from enjoying that entertainment. Yeah, that's, that's just sad. You know, that's, it's that's funny because... typical. We, we did think that she was knocked off the pedestal he had put her on, but evidently that pedestal was raised higher. Well, to the point of delusion, to mm -hmm. the point of, um, well, to the point of typical, um, let me just take this person, uh, put, put uh, precious in a box and just pretend it is like incredibly precious and I cannot possibly, that's really bad. That's a really bad attitude. Yeah. I can't, can't phrase it better than that right now because I'm just kind of still processing the thought of <sighs> it's a really not healthy attitude because it essentially determine you're determining what that person is as opposed to getting to know the person for who they are despite the fact that this is occurring in a society where basically they're told what they are but we'll just ignore that I'm just saying in general that's not healthy no no it is not no no at Malpace the savage was incoherently mumbling you had to bring her the skin of a mountain lion. I mean, when you wanted to marry someone, or else a wolf. There aren't any lions in England, Lenina almost snapped. And even if there were, the savage added with sudden contemptuous resentment, people would kill them out of helicopters, I suppose, with poison gas or something. I wouldn't do that, Lenina. He squared his shoulders, he ventured to look at her, and was met with a state of annoyed incomprehension. Confused, I'll do anything, he went on more and more incoherently, anything you tell me. There be some sports are painful, you know, but their labor delight in them sets off. That's what I feel. I mean, I'd sweep the floor if you wanted. But we've got vacuum cleaners here, said Lenina in bewilderment. It isn't necessary. No, of course it isn't necessary, but some kinds of baseness are nobly undergone. I'd like to undergo something nobly, don't you see? But if there are vacuum cleaners, that's not the point. And Epsilon semi-morons to work them, she went on. Well, really, why? Why? But for you, for you, just to show that I... 
and what on earth vacuum cleaners have got to do with lions to show how much or lions with being glad to see me she was getting more and more exasperated how much i love you lenina he brought out almost desperately an emblem of the inner tide of startled elation the blood rushed up into lenina's cheeks do you mean it john but i hadn't meant to say so cried the savage clasping his hands in a kind of agony not until listen lenina in malpace people get married get what the irritation had begun to creep back into her voice what was he talking about now for always they make a promise to live together for always what a horrible idea lenina was genuinely shocked outliving beauties outward with a mind that cloth renews swifter than blood decays what it's like that in shakespeare too if thou cost break her virgin knot before all sanctimonious ceremonies may with full and holy rite for ford's sake john talk sense i can't understand a word you say first it's vacuum cleaners then it's knots you're driving me crazy she jumped up as though afraid that he might run away from her physically as well as with his mind caught him by the wrist answer me this question do you really like me or don't you there was a moment's silence then in a very low voice i love you more than anything in the world he said then why on earth didn't you say so she cried and so intense was her exasperation that she drove her sharp nails into the skin of his wrist instead of driveling away about knots and vacuum cleaners and lions and making me miserable for weeks and weeks she released his hand and flung angrily away from her if i didn't like you so much she said i'd be furious with you and suddenly her arms were round his neck he felt her lips soft against his own so deliciously soft so warm and electric that inevitably he found himself thinking of the embraces in three weeks in a helicopter oh oh the stereoscopic blonde and ah the more than real black amour horror 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 he'd fired to disengage himself but lenina tightened her embrace why didn't you say so she whispered drawing back her face to look at him her eyes were tenderly reproachful the murkiest den the most opportune place the voice of conscience thundered poetically the strongest suggestion our worser genius can shall never melt mine honor into lust never never he resolved you silly boy she was saying i wanted you so much and if you wanted me too why didn't you but lenina he began protesting and as she immediately untwined her arms as she stepped away from him he thought for a moment that she had taken his unspoken hint so basically he's an idiot <laughs> I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say inexperienced. No, no. He's completely oblivious to his environment that he's in. Well, he's never... Well, okay, he's he's been here a while, but uh, like in terms of recognizing signals in the opposite sex, that takes well, a, that, that, a few not even looking. Yeah, I'm not even looking at that. I'm just saying, if you're surrounded by society, where she takes you to the feelies, she doesn't see anything wrong with it. Um and generally, the interaction and the relation... I mean, he got laughed at by Helmholtz about the concept of marriage and and love and all that. Did did nothing click? Those concepts that Shakespeare was basically being laughed at, and it for him, did that not sink in, there's a reason why? Well, yeah, I, I guess he's just so enamored with her, the pedestal's so high that... Even if he has misgivings based on the society he finds himself in, the strength of that passion and that that fantasy is so strong. The word is delusion. But yes, let's see how this ends up. I don't see this as going well. And I see myself anyway as having to record a warning at the end of uh, of this. We shall see. 
But Lenina, he began protesting, and as she immediately untwined her arms, as she stepped away from him, he thought for a moment that she had taken his unspoken hint. But when she unbuckled her white patent cartridge belt and hung it carefully over the back of a chair, he began to suspect that he had been mistaken. Lenina, he repeated apprehensively. She put her hand to her neck and gave a long vertical pull. Her white sailor's blouse was ripped to the hem. Suspicion condensed into a too, too solid certainty. Lenina, what are you doing? Zip, zip, her answer was wordless. She stepped out of her bell-bottom trousers. Her zippy caminics were a pale shell pink. The art community songster's golden tea dangled at her breast. For those milk paps that through the window bars bored at men's eyes, the singing, thundering, magical words made her seem doubly dangerous, doubly alluring, soft, soft, but how piercing, boring and drilling into reason, tunneling through resolution. The strongest oaths are straw to the fire in the blood. Be more abstemious, or else, zip, the rounded pinkness fall apart like a neatly divided apple. A wriggle of the arms, a lifting first to the right foot, then the left, the zippy caminics were lying lifeless as though deflated on the floor. Still wearing her shoes and socks and her rakishly tilted round white cap, she advanced towards him. Darling, darling, if only you'd said so before, she held out her arms. But instead of also saying darling and holding out his arms, the savage retreated in terror, flapping his hands at her as though he were trying to scare away some intruding and dangerous animal. Four backward steps, and he was brought to bay against the wall. Sweet, said Lenina, and laying her hands on his shoulders, pressed herself against him. Put your arms round me, she commanded. Hug me till you drug me, honey. <laughs> she too had poetry at her command. New words that sang and were spells and beat drums. Kiss me, she closed her eyes. She let her voice sink into a sleepy murmur. Kiss me till I'm in a coma. Hug me, honey, snugly. The savage caught her by the wrists, tore her hands from his shoulders, thrust her roughly away at arm's length. Ow, you're hurting me, you're... Oh, she was suddenly silent. Terror had made her forget the pain. Opening her eyes, she had seen his face. No, not his face. A ferocious stranger's, pale, distorted, twitching with some insane, inexplicable fury. Aghast, but what is it, John, she whispered. He did not answer, but only stared into her face with those mad eyes. The hands that held her wrists were trembling. He breathed deeply and regularly, faint almost to imperceptibly, but appalling. She suddenly heard the kneading of his teeth. What is it? She almost screamed, and as though awakened by her cry, he caught her by the shoulders and shook her. Whore! he shouted. Whore! Impudent strumpet! Oh, don't, don't! she protested in a voice made grotesquely tremulous by his shaking. Whore! Please! Damned whore! A gram is better, she began. The savage pushed her away with such force that she staggered and fell. Go, he shouted, standing over her menacingly. Get out of my sight, or I'll kill you, he clenched his fists. Lenina raised her arm to cover her face. No, please don't, John. Hurry up, quick. One arm still raised, and following his every movement with a terrified eye, she scrambled to her feet and, still crouching, still covering her head, made a dash for the bathroom. The noise of that prodigious slap by which her departure was accelerated was like a pistol shot. Ow, Lenina bounded forward. Safely locked into the bathroom, she had leisure to take stock of her injuries. Standing with her back to the mirror, she twisted her head. Looking over her left shoulder, she could see the imprint of an open hand standing out distinct and crimson on the pearly flesh. 
Gingerly, she rubbed the wounded spot. Outside, in the other room, the savage was striding up and down, marching, marching to the drums and music of magical words. The wren goes toot, and the small gilded fly does lecher in my sight. Maddeningly, they rumbled in his ears. The fitchew nor the soiled horse goes toot with a more riotous appetite. Down from the waist they are centaurs, the women all above, but to the girdle do the gods inherit. Beneath is all the fiends. There's hell, there's darkness, there's the sulphurous pit, burning, scalding, stench, consumption. Fee, 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 pain, pain. Give me an ounce of civet. Good apothecary, to sweeten my imagination. John, ventured a small ingratiating voice from the bathroom. John, O thou weed, who are so lovely, fair, and small, so sweet that the sense aches at thee. Was this most goodly book made to write horror upon? Heaven stops the nose at it. But her perfume still hung about him. His jacket was white with the powder that had scented her velvety body. Impudent strumpet, impudent strumpet, impudent strumpet. The inexorable rhythm beat itself out. Impudent. John, do you think I might have my clothes? He picked up the bell-bottomed trousers, the blouse, the zippy caminics. Open, he ordered, kicking the door. No, I won't. The voice was frightened and defiant. Well, how do you expect me to give them to you? Push them through the ventilator over the door. He did what she suggested and returned to his uneasy pacing of the room. Impudent strumpet, impudent strumpet. The devil luxury with his fat rump and potato finger. John, he would not answer. Fat rump and potato finger. John, what is it? He asked roughly. I wonder if you'd mind giving me my Malthusian belt. Elenina sat, listening to the footsteps in the other room, wondering as she listened how long he was likely to go tramping up and down like that, whether she would have to wait until he left the flat, or if it would be safe, after allowing his madness a reasonable time to subside, to open the bathroom door and make a dash for it. She was interrupted in the midst of these uneasy speculations by the sound of the telephone bell ringing in the other room. Abruptly, the tramping ceased. She heard the voice of the savage parlaying with the silence. Hello? Yes. If I do not usurp myself, I am. Yes, didn't you hear me say so, Mr. Savage speaking? What? Who's ill? Of course it interests me. But is it serious? Is she really bad? I'll go at once. Not in her rooms anymore. Where has she been taken? Oh my God, what's the address? Three Park Lane, is that it? Three? Thanks. Lenina heard the click of the replaced receiver, then hurrying steps. A door slammed. There was silence. Was he really gone? With an infinity of precautions, she opened the door a quarter of an inch, peeped through the crack, was encouraged by the view of emptiness, opened a little further, and put her whole head out, finally tiptoed into the room, stood for a few seconds with strongly beating heart, listening, listening, then darted to the front door, opened, slipped through, slammed, ran. It was not till she was in the lift and actually dropping down the well that she began to feel herself secure. Essentially... Ooh. So that would be assault and violence and extreme madness, I would say. He's not well, as we know. Remember, I think he's been triggered. Like, Well, y yes, he hated the men going to see his mother. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a bit of a um, severe trauma associated with um, the... the uh, men, the uh, sorry, w women offering themselves up to yes, men, I guess. Well, yes, but also I think the baser nature, he's not hes not used to, like, it's just bad association, bad memories. Mm. But yes, um, I don't know, it's, it's as we said, well, we said this before, when, when Lenina falls from the pedestal, it's going to fall hard. Yeah, um, I mean, 
you know, I, I'd actually forgot that he turned violent. I, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, ugh. It, you know, I really felt sympathy for Lenina in, uh, for the back half of that. Yeah. And she's been traumatized, but I don't think she realizes well those and and the fact that Lenina felt like why did you make me suffer for three for three weeks or feel miserable for three weeks? Remember that brings up the beginning of the the book where we have this idea of oh I was denied and I it felt terrible like mm-hmm. I couldn't have what I wanted and it felt terrible. Does that make like it's it's echoing this continual theme of self satisfaction and, and gratification and so yes. I'm gonna say his mum's dying yeah, and they've well, taken her to the crematorium. I would say I would say that's the most likely uh, yeah. um, conclusion to reach from that phone call. Yeah, well, it's a bit like so. Having to wait, that's obviously been uh, gnawing at her mind because she's been taking more soma and she just doesn't understand what's going on. Well, Fanny, yeah. her confidant, tells her to basically go rape him, and she seems to have taken Fanny's advice. And that fires spectacularly on her. Backfires well, spectacularly on her. Yeah, yeah. Except she, it's it's they're both speaking past each other, mm. and the problem is they don't actually speak. And I think this is what they're talking about: is that when you have people coming from completely different value backgrounds, the words that they use is one thing, but the meaning and the actual. Um, what it means in practice and what these things are like our concept of relationships is very heavily influenced by our environment and how we're raised. This is very much, we're talking about this nature versus nurture discussion that he's having with um, George Orwell, basically. Mm. This is, this is the ongoing discussion of language. What is first language or meaning? What is first nature or nurture? Um, what about cultural environment? What about can we train people to go against their nature? Can we train people to go with their nature? You have the opposites. You've got in in um, in 1984, you have a deny your physical reality. That's not a thing. Whereas in Brave New World, you have this, your physical reality is a thing. We'll use it. We'll channel it. We'll program it. And we will use it to actually reinforce aspects of society. And it, it does feel like from the top down, it's doing it for the quote unquote right reasons. We want everyone to feel good all the time and to be as productive as they can be. Well, and also not question the status quo because otherwise you no longer are productive. Mm. It's, it's it both. I mean, both of them ultimately are about stagnancy of the human spirit. Well, well yeah. If if you're if you're not um, if you're not happy, you're you're not contributing as well as you could be. Exactly. It's mess. But yeah, I mean, I'm like, I want to record a warning. <laughs> yeah, no, pl- please yeah. do, because I, I was feeling uncomfortable reading that chapter. Yeah, it's a rough chapter, but I think it's probably going to, um, yeah, he's not dealing, and he is, I think, unraveling around the edges, and I think that might have just, this and his mother's death are going to tip him over the final point, and, and look, if look, Helmholtz doesn't add a final shove. And here, here's here's the real bad thing. So he came with them willingly because he had no place back in Malpace. They yeah. didn't consider him part of the tribe. They they weren't allowing him to become a man. He was miserable there. Then he meets Bernard. He's like, oh, you're like my mother. And he she keeps telling me you come from a wonderful place where they'll accept someone like me. So he comes back. And yeah, that that's not the case either. And he's realizing, I think, that he doesn't fit in at all in this world. No, and I think realizing that you don't fit in anywhere would be 
Uh, like, I mean, many people struggle with that in general, and with mental health, we know that that is actually a thing. Um, I, I have a tiny bit of it. I, th- there's an actual term for this, because I move countries around one between 9 and 12, and apparently there's it's most prevalent of uh, uh, children who move countries in that time period. But, like, I never, when I came here, I never felt Australian, and I still kind of don't. Um, and then when I, I always wanted to go back to America. And then when I went back, I, I realized, oh, I don't fit in with these people here anymore. So it's always kind of like I've never felt like I have a home in terms of country, which, you know, as as, as we discussed, um, hmm. uh, the, 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 the identity associated with where you live, I don't think it's a very positive thing for us moving forward. But yeah. it, it but it's still a very powerful in the presence and to not have that has yeah. definitely had its complications I think me, yeah we need uh, to who I am yeah yeah I'm, I'm with you like that idea of having an identity that's purely based on where you are born what your skin is or like like it's it's not a, like it's not an it doesn't mean that these factors don't come in it doesn't mean these factors don't influence your life when you are in these societies that use these as values or systems not not denying that but eventually we would hope that we work towards an environment where those factors aren't a thing Mm. where they don't contribute a true utopia would be to actually address the challenges and, and the issues of the past and present and actually with a gaze of justice address these things and with a gaze of of compassion and understanding and actual mutual you know, cooperation and collaboration oh you know these concepts versus constantly being in a state of competition we are not like why well he, why? so, so th- this is a very cynical take but you know how like um in a dystopia e- even though they usually have very bad endings like in 1984 what winston and julia were fighting for to up until the very end there was that glimmer of hope that oh things might change this there might be Winston might be a catalyst or you know he even says mm-hmm. to O'Brien it might not be me but you can't this can't last forever you will be brought down and there's that glimmer of hope even though O'Brien laughs it off and there's a bad ending to that book but the cynic in me goes well the reason we don't have a utopia is that we're human and things could be running perfectly and we'll find a way to muck it up <laughs> but See, I don't see that as being a human thing. I see that as being, um, I don't know. I think it's a little bit more deep philosophy at this moment. I think we are capable of a lot more. It's a joke. Like, I don't actually believe that, but it's a thought. Uh, Like, let's say there is a kernel of truth why I find that funny and... Well, the kernel is that people tend to, we do see it as an example in society where something that could work perfectly well for for um, humanity is exploited or corrupted or only benefits some and not all. And it, like we see it all the time with all sorts of things. But the thing is that that's the, I think that's what we've slowly, let's focus back on, 19, on Brave New World. Um, Brave New World, they're not going to know any different because you've got someone like Mustafa Mond who says, nope, we're not going to research that. Nope, we're not going to have this discussion. Ooh, we need to watch out for this one. Like there's someone actually literally, world controller means you're actually controlling mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Which is disturbing. Incredibly so. And then you've got this educational structure and programming that's in there that 
they can't imagine anything else. And even when they go and see something else, the something else that they see as a contrast is so vastly different to what they're accustomed to that they can't, they can't connect, they can't relate to it at all. So when people go to the, um, the reservations or they, they, they can't relate because I'm, you saw the reaction to Shakespeare. Like they, they don't cope with these concepts of what is and isn't um, for the benefit of the society. It's a, it's a real mess. Yeah. And I, I guess that's the problem is that we get trained to compare to the standards that we are accustomed to as opposed to going, well, what are the standards? What could that look like potentially? Yeah. 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 And may, maybe that's, What's hiding behind that, the the joke about humans mucking up the utopia is that we, we can only really we can only really extrapolate about what we want the world to be from how uh, how we've grown up in it. Yeah. So our perceptions, we, we end up limiting our own world. We end up limiting our own society and our own world. There's plenty of people who, who work against this limitation. They try and push for more. But even the little bit that we do push for, is it really more? Or are we doing a comparative? I was discussing this before, this idea of comparative excellence versus actual excellence. Competition, as, as it exists, encourages comparative excellence and that's not good enough if you're wanting to advance because if your comparison is only to the thing that's next to you say in the olympics and you're swimming and you're swimming the the fastest record you're only going to swim the fastest record as determined at any given one point in time and it is very often dependent on those who are you're swimming against so if those people who are next to you aren't excellent and extremely fast usually it will slow down the personal best of the person next to them I, I find the Olympic uh, a really interesting example because from what I understand about hearing about many of the top winners, they never really, the other the other competitors never factor into it. Every day they're trained to be faster than they were the day before. And yet some of the biggest record breakers acknowledge that their fellow competitors is where drive them on. Okay. So they, they, they do focus on their own personal best, but their personal best is also accomplished because they are, they're egged on by those next to them. So if not everyone is doing their best, you don't do your best. It's a very strange kind of phenomenon. Once in a while, you'll get exceptions to that. But on average, you'll see, oh, well, and they, they swam a really good heat. And so that encouraged, you'll see this in the commentary. Well, they'll say, oh, so-and-so swam, been swimming really fast. Oh, look, yeah, this is going to be a fast heat. You know, the expression, this is a fast heat. Mm. It's because the other, generally, the competitors are swimming faster. And so the person who is coming first or second or whatever has been pushed to reach their maximum. Right. Um, but yeah, things like, like it's not obviously... There are also people, like you say, in Bolt that might not need someone running next to them really fast to urge them on. But that those are exceptions, not usually the rule. Overall, it should it isn't about comparative excellence, and it should be about the individual doing their best. And it's not that they set the standard; it's that they're trying to create a standard that they are that the next can aim for to exceed. But yeah, coming back to Brave New World. It's a mess, and I'm. These next few chapters are going to get intense. So you you think that if um, Linda is like on her way out, and I, I it's Linda's not really spoilers out. to say that. Yeah, that's exactly. Linda's on her way out. There's absolutely. Um, you think way that's out. going to be one of the main factors that makes John completely lose it? I think that no, that will be the last tether he has. 
it's is the the connection with Lenina is a problem, and that's going to be already tipping him into the descent into madness. Oh, here's a question: After what just happened, after the trauma she's just gone through, do you think she still fancies John? I hope not. Um, but then again, she was there was something she mentioned in passing, which is she's had dozens, and yet it's never been enough. Hmm. So there is something going on. But then again, they're in a society that is consuming for the sake of consumption because that is their purpose. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I think maybe she'll be encouraged to go see the doctor this time and they might fix her up with some uh, pregnancy surrogate kind of thing or whatever it's called. I can't remember. What yeah, hmm. I, I bet you it's going to be something like that. Well, oh, well, I went to the doctor and they're going to fix me all up and it's all fine and dandy now. And now I function and I'm so pneumatic. Like it's, the, the you know what I mean? Like it's just going to hit that. Hmm. Um, and the way she is, we saw this already with her interaction with Bernard. She's rigidly stuck in her perception of the world. Yeah. She's, I don't say, I'd say she's an alpha minus beta plus, but she, she wears white. Mm -hmm. So yeah, maybe alpha minus is the one because she wears white as opposed to, um, Mulberry. And she was on like the conveyor belt putting, um, inoculations and the yeah apparently the the, those guys in the embryonic thing can also be beta beta pluses and beta minuses Mm. it's you know like but yeah i'm gonna go with gonna go with she's an alpha minus yeah so the the thing as well you know uh i mentioned how like the trip to mal pace was kind of the the halfway point and now kind of we're you know the the idea of a story is it climbs towards the midpoint and then plummets towards the conclusion and you can kind of see now ever since john's come back to london it's kind of gone yeah we're 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 quickly zooming towards whatever whatever however this ends yes which of course i know how it ends but yeah yeah. (laughs) i don't see anything going well um but yes but on that note so uh the music at the top of the podcast was Soma by Lionel Moser. The music at the end, as always, is I'm the Slime by Frank Zappa. You can find me over on Twitter at Dave underscore the underscore trip. You can find me at Rumikmoo, that's R-O-O-M-C-M-O-O. And you can find our podcast at SMB SLT Podcast. And that's on Twitter, on Facebook, and if you add an at at gmail.com, that's our email address. Feel, feel free to send us messages or drop an email or give us reviews or suggestions. Welcome. Share it with your friends. Spread the word. And yes. we, we, we would appreciate any suggestions for new books that you might like to uh, hear us read and discuss. I know I've, I've said before I've got my next three or so lined up. And I've got a few, but I'm just kind of prioritizing we will see how things go and we're always open to suggestion mm-hmm. because we are not immune to propaganda exactly so, so until exactly. next time folks happy reading stay safe everyone thank you bye, bye.